baptism today. And uh, so we're looking forward to celebrating uh, three people being baptized. And that'll be right at the end uh, of the sermon uh, portion. And uh, there'll be a connection today between our, our teaching uh, and the baptism as well. Uh, but it's always a high point for us to be able to celebrate uh, people publicly uh, uh, declaring their faith in Jesus Christ through baptism. So a really exciting uh, day for us as a church. Well, those of you that have been uh, part of our church, you know that we've been in a mini teaching series. Uh, we've been calling it Fulfill. Uh, we're looking at a number of places in the book of Matthew. Matthew, one of the gospel accounts that uh, chronicles the life of Jesus. And uh, in chapters uh, 1 and 2, kind of talking about Jesus' birth, many times uh, Matthew says, and this fulfills what the prophet had written. And so Matt, it's a big deal in the book of Matthew that the birth of Jesus is fulfilling what prophets hundreds of years prior had written about the coming of God's rescuer, the Messiah. And so we're looking at some of those instances of Christ's fulfillment of ancient prophecy. And so today, we're going to be considering uh, fulfilled the genealogy of Jesus and baptism, all right? And uh, you may be scratching your heads, how do those two go together? Uh, that'll be what I, I hope to unpack this morning. Uh, let me start us in prayer, and uh, then we'll dive into our text for the morning. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful for the privilege of gathering here together. Uh, we're grateful for all that you have done for us, and uh, just this opportunity to be very mindful of this. Lord, that you have come once for us, and we, knew, we know what it cost you, uh, Lord, to come. All that you gave up, you laid aside uh, to be born uh, to a very uh, humble, poor family. Uh, Lord, uh, what you endured in your life, uh, in your death, and what you accomplished in your resurrection, uh, we, we praise you for all that you did in your first coming. And uh, Lord, we now also look forward to your second coming, uh, when you will come again, uh, Lord, uh, to complete uh, your work. And we are grateful for this promise, uh, Lord, that one day there will be no more sin, uh, no more suffering, no more death. And we long for this day and say, come, Lord Jesus. So God, I pray this morning, I pray you continue to uh, open our eyes that much more to who you are and what you have done. Uh, would you stir our hearts to truly appreciate and, uh, and love uh, you for, for who you are and what you've done. And so we, Lord, please lead us in this time now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our text for the morning is uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there, or if you, have, uh, if you want to follow along on your device, uh, we'll be looking at uh, verses 1 through 17, but it'll be a little different this morning. Usually, we read the whole text together, and uh, then we dive into the teaching portion, um, but if you're looking at the text now, you'll see that the uh, verses 1 through 17 is this list of very long names, the genealogy of Jesus. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read verses, just verse 1, which is the introduction, and then rather me stumbling through and butchering lots of long names that I can't really pronounce, we're actually going to have a, uh, a video, which is a song going through the rest of the genealogy. So hopefully that'll help us appreciate it a little bit more. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you all to stand with me. I'm going to read verse 1. After I do that, uh, you will be, I'll say the word of the Lord, and then you can all respond, thanks be to God. After that, you can sit back down, all right? Matthew 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The word of the Lord. Have a seat. All right. Sit back and enjoy this brief uh, song video.
Abraham had Isaac, Isaac he had Jacob, Jacob he had Judah in his kin. Well, then Perez and Zerah came from Judah's woman Tamar. Perez he brought Hezron up and then came Aram, then Amenadab, then Nashan, who was then the dad of Salmon, who with Rahab fathered Boaz. Ruth, she married Boaz, who had Obed, who had Jesse. Jesse, he had David, who we know as king. David, he had Solomon by dead Uriah's wife. Solomon, well, you own the women. He had good old Rehoboam, followed by Abijah, who had Asa. Asa had Jehoshaphat, had Joram, had Isaiah, who had Jotham, then Ahaz, then Hezekiah. Followed by Manasseh, who had Amon, who was a man, who was father of a good boy named Josiah. Grandfather Jehoiakim, who caused the Babylonian captivity because he was a liar. And then he had Shealtiel, who begat Zerubbabel, who had Abiud, who had Eliakim. Eliakim had Azer, who had Zadok, who had Achim. Achim was the father of Eliab. Listen very closely, I don't want to sing this twice. Jacob was the father of Joseph, husband of Mary, mother of Christ. Uh, a little more entertaining way to go, to go through the genealogy. Um, it's interesting to uh, see the the list of names there, um, kind of entertaining to hear it, but if you're like me, you also kind of scratch your head and say, really? That's how the Gospel of Matthew starts? With a genealogy? Um, you know, for most of us, those are obscure names. Uh, we don't know those names. We wonder, why begin telling the story of Jesus by listing this family tree? Um, I want us to consider this morning why the genealogy. Um, in Matthew 1.1, the verse we started with, which is an introduction, it said, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so it's keying us in on those two names, Abraham and David. Now, uh, the study notes for the, the uh, uh, ESV study Bible, it says this about the genealogy. It says, the gospel's opening words carried special significance for a Jewish audience whose ancestry was inseparably intertwined with the covenant God made with Israel. Um, to a Jewish person um, in the uh, first century uh, context, when they read this list, it had deep significance because it was their family lineage and it was about promises God had made to their family. You see, reading through a genealogy uh, is actually quite interesting if it's your family. <laughs> Uh, I, I was on a flight uh, this past week coming back from Charlotte, and I was sitting next to a guy. Uh, he was a, a guy from uh, South Boston, very classic uh, South Boston guy. And so he was telling me all about his Irish uh, heritage. 
And he knew it all the way back into the 1600s when his first relative uh, came over from Ireland. Actually, he found out fleeing the law because he got in trouble in Ireland and, uh, and came here. But he, it mattered to him because it was his family. And so he knew his family story. So you can see why a family story matters when it's your family. And it matters that much more if something is at stake. Let's say there's an inheritance at stake. All of a sudden, you care even more to know your connection to the family history. So as we come to this genealogy this morning, what we need to realize is that if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are connected to this family. And there is something at stake. There's an inheritance. So as we come here, this is not just a list of obscure names uh, that should give us some you know, intellectual uh, stimulation. Uh, this is about the family story that we have become connected to because of Jesus Christ. And in particular, when he highlights in verse 1 uh, that Jesus being the son of David, the son of Abraham, he's linking us to these core promises that God has given to his family, to Abraham, uh, who was considered the father of, uh, of the Israelites. To Abraham, God promised that he would be the father of a great nation. And it said, God said to Abraham that through your family, the whole world would be blessed. So God was going to bless this family to be a blessing to the world. And so as generations passed, they kept telling this story of God's promise to bless this family and through them bless the world. And eventually, one of Abraham's descendants, David, who was king, God made an additional promise to him. To David, God promised that one of his descendants would sit on his throne forever. And that through this descendant, there would be eternal blessings. So you hear um, this great promise. This family would be a blessing to the world. And through one of the descendants of this family, there would be eternal blessings brought. But generations passed. And God's promises seemed to be anything but fulfilled. Eventually, uh, David's family was no longer on the throne. Eventually, the Israelite people wasn't even living in their land. Uh, to the uh, outside observer, it looked like God's promises to this family and to this king had been cut off, cut down like a tree that was uh, chainsawed and dropped. And during this time, while the Israelites were living uh, exiled in another land, God spoke to them through a prophet, the prophet Isaiah. And we heard the words earlier today during our service that God said to his people through the prophet Isaiah. Let me uh, read those. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 2 uh, and 6 through 9. Isaiah said, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Well, let, me, let me pause there. Jesse was David's father. So when Isaiah says uh, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, he's saying that David's line really appeared to have been cut off. There was not a, a king from David's line on the throne. But he's saying there, there would be a branch, a new shoot that will rise up from this stump, and there'll be a new beginning. And then it says in verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then when we go to verse 6, we see what will happen when this new branch from Jesse's stump 
comes and, and is ruling. It says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When you lean into this promise here, it, it's staggering. Um, what he's saying, what God is saying to his people through the prophet Isaiah is that when this shoot from David's, from Jesse's stump is, is finally ruling, there will be a true and lasting peace. Uh, he, he's referencing things that we see around us in nature. We see the natural world is at odds. There is friction, there is violence, there is war, and it just comes naturally. Generation after generation defaults into fighting. Uh, we cannot live at peace like we all long to. And that is just part of this fallen, broken world. And somehow, God is saying that through this branch from Jesse's stump, there will finally come the peace that we long for. That's the promise. So Matthew begins with a genealogy to show that Jesus is the root that has grown from the stump of Jesse and that God's promises will be fulfilled in him. Now, the passage I read there from Isaiah 11, I want to key in on verse 2 of, uh, of that prophecy. In Isaiah 11:2, it said this about the, uh, the branch from Jesse's stump. It said, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Uh, second question for our morning, and that is, why the Spirit? Why is it so significant in this prophecy that the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon the branch from the stump of Jesse? Well, if you follow the uh, storyline of the Bible, uh, we see how central the Spirit of God is to life itself. That in Genesis 1, uh, we see this grand account of God creating uh, the heavens and the earth. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then right after that, it says, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. That the Spirit of God is hovering over that which God had made. And then as creation continues, God is speaking and things are coming into being. And it says that God, uh, when He creates humanity, it says that the Lord breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, that word, breathe, is the Hebrew word ruach, uh, which also can be translated wind or spirit. And so this picture here is the Spirit of God who hovers over creation and then brings life into human beings. See, to be truly alive, to be truly human, is to be alive by the Spirit of God. That we are made to be filled with the life of God. And what has gone wrong in this story is that shortly thereafter, you know the story, that humanity rejected God's uh, rule in this world. And God had said, uh, if that happened, when that happened, 
in that day, you would surely die. And what's interesting is in that day, Adam and Eve did not immediately physically die. Now, they did eventually. Death entered this world because of sin. But on that day, there was a death. The scriptures tell us there is physical death and there is spiritual death. And because of what happened in our rebellion from God, we have become separated from the life of God. Now every human that is born is physically alive and spiritually dead. We are all are longing for the life that we were created for, a life that is both physically alive and spiritually alive. And we cannot have this life apart from the Spirit of God. So humanity has been waiting and longing for someone to come into our world who had this life, this life from God, and through this person, this life could come to all. So when the prophet Isaiah says that the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon this person, this is significant. Can any of you think uh, of a time in the story of Jesus when this is fulfilled, when we see the Spirit of the Lord coming to rest upon him? His baptism, right? In Jesus' baptism, we see this very prophecy being fulfilled. Uh, just a couple chapters after the genealogy, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, uh, we read the account of Jesus' baptism. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I mean, what a powerful image. Jesus, the Son of God, the Spirit of God descending, the Father, the voice from heaven, the triune God, uh, being evident in that moment. Jesus, in his baptism, fulfills the promise of God. He is Abraham's seed. He's from Abraham's family. And he is the branch from the stump of Jesse. And as he stood in the Jordan River, uh, the Spirit of the Lord rested upon him and fulfilled the promise of God and the longing of humanity. Whether we know it or not, this is what we have been longing for, uh, a life that is far greater than the life that we experience in our physical body alone. In Jesus' baptism, he identifies with us. See, what baptism is all about it's about the cleansing of sin. That's why it's a picture of water, of washing. Um, and so when someone is baptized, there's an identification of, I have not lived the way God has called me to live. There's a need for cleansing. And I want there to be forgiveness. I want there to be a healing, a cleansing from sin. Jesus is the only person in humanity that has stepped into the waters of baptism sinless. Jesus was not baptized for his own sin. Jesus was identifying himself with sinful people. He was saying, I am willing to take on the status of sinner, though I did not sin. I will be baptized like you, eventually being baptized in his death in our place. So in baptism, Jesus is identifying with sinful humanity. And he's doing this for a reason. It's not just to take our sin, it's to give us his spirit. He intends for the spirit that descended on him 
to fill our lives. Uh, the great promise of Christianity is that we can be joined with Jesus. That's what, by faith, we become joined with him in his death and in his life. And so as the Spirit descended on him that day, the Spirit descends on all who place their faith in Jesus Christ now. And as Jesus heard the words from the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, those words are now said to us, to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, when we are joined with him. You are my dearly loved son, dearly loved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Our joining to Jesus is significant, and it's pictured in baptism. Jesus identified with us in his baptism, and now when a follower of Christ is baptized today, we are identifying with him. Now, let me list four ways in particular that we are identifying with Jesus through baptism. First, we identify with Jesus in his death for us. So when a person is baptized, they go under the water of baptism. And that's telling a story. It's telling us the story of Jesus' death, that Jesus died for sin and was buried. And so when a person goes under the water, they are saying, Jesus has paid for my sin. Now, the Apostle Paul famously said, I have been crucified with Christ, that there is a joining Jesus in his death. Uh, how wonderful it is that somebody has died for us already, that our sin has been paid for already. Therefore, there can be a complete forgiving, forgiveness, a complete cleansing because of Jesus, what he has done, taking our sin upon himself in his cross. We are identifying with Jesus' death for sin. But a person does not stay under the water. Uh, in baptism, there is also a picture of Jesus' resurrection. That when a person comes out of the water, they're telling the story that Jesus did not stay dead. That Jesus rose. Now, our sin remained buried, but Jesus did not. And so Jesus rose. Therefore, all who are joined to Jesus Christ share in his resurrection. And we share in his resurrection in a couple ways. One, there is a newness to life now. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he promises a, a new life that begins this side of heaven. That there's a connection with God, there's a new ability to live as God intends, there's a newness to life because of Jesus' resurrection. And there's a life forever. That death is not the end for anybody who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. The grave could not hold Jesus, and it cannot hold those who believe in Jesus. So when a person comes out of the water, they're saying, I have joined Jesus in his death and his resurrection. The third way someone is identifying themselves with Jesus in baptism is they're identifying themselves with his spirit. That just as Jesus' spirit descended upon him at his baptism, the Holy Spirit uh, rests upon all who put their faith in Jesus Christ today. And this is so beautiful that we can live life now uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, experiencing a connection with God by the Holy Spirit. And so in baptism, a person is identifying themselves with the Spirit of God. And then fourthly, the reason we are doing this together uh, here today is that we identify ourselves with God's family in baptism. That we're not only baptized into a personal relationship with Jesus, but into a family. Um, this is why the genealogy matters. That's our family. And as you look around, all who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, that's your family. 
And think of all the millions of people who have gone through the waters of baptism over the years. This is God's forever family, and we publicly identify with this family in baptism. In baptism, we identify with Jesus' death, His resurrection, His spirit, and His family. And it is such a privilege today to have three people um, who are publicly identifying themselves with Jesus Christ. And uh, actually, I want to I introduce them and welcome them up now. We have a Mike Gregory and Addie Jorgensen and Harrison Demeter. Why don't you come on up front and join me up here? Now, a few weeks ago, um, you had the privilege of hearing from Mike. Uh, Mike uh, gave his testimony. Come on up and stand on the side of the stage over here. Hey, Harrison. Hi, Addie. Uh, Mike gave his testimony uh, a, few year, uh, a few weeks back, so if you guys haven't heard his testimony, I, um, our, if our, as long as our, uh, our website's working, you can go back and listen to that. But Mike did a great job giving his story. Uh, so today we want to hear a little bit more of uh, Addie and uh, Harrison's story as well. So they're going to briefly share their testimony. After that, I'll have a few questions for you all, and then we'll uh, hop into the waters of baptism. And I want to thank whoever... I think it was LJ, uh, made sure this water is nice and toasty. I tested it, it was 90 degrees, so <laughs> you should be ready. So um, well, let's begin here. Addie, I'm going to give you the mic. Why don't you just briefly share a little of how Christ has worked in your life, and then after that, you can pass it to Harrison, okay? So I have grown up in a Christian family throughout my entire life, so it's not some like huge like, backstory. It's not super dramatic. I mean, I was been wanting to get baptized for a long time, but I haven't had like the chance to do it. And so I just grew up in a Christian family with like two families. One is kind of walking away from God, but the other one is a like strong Christian family. And I have a lot of like cousins who are like supporting me in my faith that are much older than me that I look up to. And that's been really helping me grow in my faith. And I just I'm really thankful I have those people in my life to help me with this. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who made this earth, created us in his perfect creation, and died on the cross to rescue us from suffering and sin. I have come to believe in Jesus from my family. They were always there to help and teach me more, more about him and answered any hard questions I had about him or my faith. I also think I put my own physical effort myself into learning about Christ and my belief. For a long time, I was suffering in fear of not knowing what I believed in for a long time until I got help from my parents, Pastor Sam and my Uncle Andrew. They told me that Christianity is a gift and not a fear to have, while also telling me some wonderful things about what God is planning for us that I have um, heard of. After that, my relationship in God began to feel more secure to me, which made me think baptism was a good next step for me to do. I want to give thanks to all of those absolutely wonderful adults out there who are willing to put in their free time to help me feel more, secu more secure in my love of Christ. You, re you really made a change in my life. Thanks, Harrison. Well, I've got a few questions for you three now. Um, I'll ask the question, you can all respond with, I do, okay? Do you confess your sin to God and being sorry for it, turn to Jesus, putting your whole trust 
in his gracious and loving sacrifice for you on the cross. I do. do you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? I do. And do you give your life to follow and obey him as your Lord? I do. May God bless you three in these promises. At this point, let's head down here and we can uh, line up on uh, the carpet and uh, we'll have the privilege of baptism. I'm going to hang out here for a few minutes. It's kind of nice. <laughs> uh, this is a wonderful day to celebrate uh, these three publicly demonstrating their faith in Jesus. But it's also uh, an invitation to us all as well. Baptism always is an invitation to those watching also. Uh, for some of you here, you may be considering faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, this is an invitation to you. Uh, every person has a unique faith journey. Uh, Mike, Harrison, and Addie's journeys are unique. God has worked uniquely in their lives. But also, every person has some striking similarities. Uh, we all have to, realize, have to reckon with living in a broken world, that life does not work as we wish it did. And we have to reckon with why that's the case. And these three have come to recognize that the reason is, is sin. And Jesus has come as our rescuer. So the invitation to you all is to put your faith in Jesus as Mike and Harrison and Addie have, to recognize that Jesus has come to take your sin and to give you his spirit. And I encourage you to respond. And the response we're told in the scriptures is to say yes, to recognize that Jesus has died for us, he has risen for us, and he is coming again. And we respond by faith, asking Christ to cleanse us, he will do just that. I encourage you this morning to give your life to Christ. Others of you here um, have given your life to Christ, but you may not have yet followed Christ in baptism. Uh, following Jesus is not just knowing some truths, it's a life of following. And one of the clear steps of following is to follow his invitation in baptism. So I encourage you uh, to take the step of baptism, 
recognizing publicly that you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. And for others of you who have put your faith in Christ and who have been baptized, uh, I encourage you uh, to remember again what God has done in your life. Uh, every time I have the privilege of, of uh, doing a, a wedding, I always encourage people that are married at the wedding um, to let the ceremony strengthen their commitment, to remember the vows they originally made. And for you all here today who have followed Christ in baptism, Christ has promised himself to you, and you have committed yourself to him. Remember that and rejoice in that. Will you join me now praying for these three and for us as a church? Lord, we are so thankful for what you have done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for paying our sin debt, for rising, for your victory, and for giving us your spirit. Uh, we are so grateful for who you are and what you've done. Thank you also for how you've worked specifically in the lives of Mike and Harrison and Addie. And God, we pray your blessing on them. God, I pray that you would continue to, to form them uh, in the character of Jesus. Um, give them courage to follow all that you have uh, uh, commanded them to do. God, I pray you'd protect them uh, from the evil one, from discouragement, from accusation, from temptation. And God, would you continue to work out your good purposes in their lives. And God, I pray for us, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those that are here today who are considering Christ. God, I pray they be able to hear clearly your invitation. God, for uh, those who are uh, looking uh, to follow you more fully in baptism, God, I pray for willingness to respond. And Lord, for those here uh, who have been baptized, remind us again, Lord, of all that you have done and, the, and the, the confidence we can have in your promise to us. We love you, Lord, and we are so grateful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand, and we will uh, finish with a song. Amen. And we've been learning this new song um, this Advent season, so... Um, 